Welcome to North Boston Korean United Methodist Church. Here we are a family that seeks to love others in the way that Jesus loves us and raise people up in his love. We are grateful to have you listen in. So regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com. A great, it's a beautiful Sunday morning. Um, it's the first Sunday of October. We're in October now, um, and uh, wow, I can't, I can't believe that we have been in quarantine for this long. Um, some crazy things have happened. This past week, um, but I just want to take a moment to pray for our president, um, just because uh, I really, I really feel that it is important for our, the body of Christ to be able to um, keep him in our prayers um, and to be able to see him heal. Um, this is a matter of not just politics, but it's it's a matter of his life, and I I, I have a lot of feelings about. Obviously, we all have a lot of feelings about Trump um, becoming COVID positive, um, but I think, honestly, a lot of my feelings are like anger, and um, because New York was the epicenter early on, um, many people, lives lost, so I am angry, but I think it's really important for us to be able to pray for our president, so if, if we could just take just 60 seconds um to pray for him and his health and his wife's health right now. Let's just take this moment to pray. Okay, we are continuing through our sermon series. Um, we'll be going through, today we'll be going through, uh, also just, just before I start, just full non, full disclosure, like I'm not feeling too great right now, just a little nauseous, so if I, if my energy level is a little low, I apologize. Um, okay, Acts chapter 20, 20, 1 verse 27 Acts chapter 21 verse 27 we'll be reading through Acts chapter 21 into a bit of Acts chapter 22 Acts is after John before Romans and I'm reading from the ESV but I recommend that you guys read from whatever it Whatever suits you best to be able to understand God's word. We're not standing together, but it is God's holy and perfect word. So I, I ask that um, you would hold it in all due reverence. Acts chapter 21, verse 27. This is the word of the Lord. 
When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law in this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place, for they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple." Then all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another, and he could not learn the facts because of the uproar. So he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd, for the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks. He said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus and Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned his hand with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, uh, according to the strict manner, manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From then I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in praying together? Abba, we thank you for your holy and perfect word. Abba, we thank you for your message. Abba, we ask that you would speak directly into hearts, that you would speak into the hearts of those whom, who are seeking you, God. Father, that you would make yourself known in your congregation this morning. Abba, I pray that you would help me 
to be able to preach this message. You know that I can barely stand, and yet you are the reason why I am able. And so, God, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross, that only you may be magnified. Give me the strength to get through this sermon. Give us the strength to be able to listen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today's sermon, the main idea is God is greater than our hurts and troubles. God is greater than our hurts and troubles and enemies. And the sermon title is A Painful Witness. A Painful Witness. So let me give you guys the context of this passage. If you guys remember last week's sermon just a little bit, you might remember that Paul had agreed with the elders to do a Nazarite vow because the Jewish church uh, in Jerusalem was under the impression that Paul was rejecting the Jewish faith completely. So he was in his last day of the Nazarite vow cleansing that we talked about. Okay, And so he's in his last day, it's seven days, he's in this final day, he's getting this ritual cleansing in the temple. And then all of a sudden Jews from Asia cry out that Paul is bad and they start beating him up. Now, um, Jews from Asia, that's most likely Ephesus. Um, Jews from Asia, if you guys remember this, uh, just a while back, Paul was kicked out of Ephesus because of the Jews. There are a lot of people, as much as there are a lot of people that love Paul, that have benefited from him, there are also a lot of people that are against him. And one of the most, one of the people that are most against him were in Ephesus. So they plotted to kill him and kick him out, basically. But basically on the last day of his cleansing, the Jews from Asia cry out saying that Paul is bad. He's against everything that they believe in. And so all the Jews, they ambush him and they beat him up. The Roman commander of the cohort arrests him immediately because of the ruckus. And, and they also try to get there to, in order to quell the crowd. Now the Roman cohort is constantly in fear that there would be an insurrection that the Jews would get a little too riled up because they are a colony at this point. They're colonized. And so the Roman commander goes to de-escalate the situation and he arrests him immediately just because of how crazy it was. And he goes, what has this man done? People start yelling this and that and he couldn't make anything out at all. So he takes Paul to the barracks and Paul basically had to be carried out by the soldiers because of the violence that was done to him. It was to the point where the the tribune assumed the tribune assumed that he was an insurrectionist attempting again. So the the reason why this Egyptian is mentioned basically there was somebody else who was trying to be Messiah, um, and he wasn't captured. So basically this guy is thinking, oh, it's that Egyptian guy who was trying to take the Jews out of Jerusalem um, and break down the colony. So. Um, he goes, so aren't you the, aren't you the Egyptian insurrectionist? Um, and Paul gets a lot of assumptions about who he is. Uh, he just gets ambushed. Now, if you really consider what Paul has done, all Paul has done is get a Nazarite vow. And I want to ask you guys at this point, well, how would you feel if the people you love one day turned on you? How would you feel if your community or your family one day 
turned on you. And Paul hadn't done anything wrong. He was trying to keep unity. He was trying to keep peace in the body of Christ when he was ambushed and beat up for something that he didn't actually do. Um, and then arrested and brought into jail uh, by this tribune guy um, who assumed that he was this this riot leader, basically, a rebellion leader. Um, but Paul hadn't done anything. Paul wasn't involved in politics. He didn't care. You have to keep in mind that Paul hadn't done anything, and not just that, his actions have been really blown out of proportion. And a lot of the times when we read Paul getting you know, abused and tortured and beat up. We're like, oh, Paul is being persevering for the faith. But one thing you have to know about Paul's time in Jerusalem as he gets beat up is that this was the place that he grew up. And Paul is a Hebrew of Hebrews. He is a Pharisee and he was born. Like his parents are also Pharisees. He is very, very high up. And this is his, like, this is his home. And that, that, community of Jews was his community. So either way, this is a really sad moment because Paul is a Hebrew of Hebrews and he's had his city, his whole city turns on him. Think about when your family, not not that your family would, but if your community one day turned on you. Or if one day your family just randomly disowned you and started hating you. Regardless of what the reason Regardless of whether or not you actually did something to be disowned, regardless of whether or not you actually did something to be hurt, it's a painful experience to have your entire community turn. You might wonder, Jane, why was Paul just sitting there and not and getting let, allowing himself to get beat up? Why was he not doing anything? Most likely, he was unable to do anything, um, and so that's one thing to consider. Like. A lot of us might have tendencies where we desire to be loved. A lot of us, um, I was reading something on uh, Humans in New York and about like this, like 32 um, posts spread on this on this girl named Stephanie. And like one of the last posts, it was saying like, at its core as human beings, we either desire to love people or be loved or to some something to that effect. And a lot of us desire to be loved, but Paul at this point, by the very community that he was revered in, is completely rejected, and not just rejected, but he is completely thrown away. So that's that's the context of this passage that we overlook. It's that Paul is completely rejected by his community. Um, and he gets taken in because at this point, the political leader is like, okay, what did this guy actually do to deserve this? This guy clearly didn't do much. Um, and he takes him in. He goes, so then who the heck are you? Paul says, I'm not that Egyptian insurrectionist. I'm not a rebellion guy. I'm not trying to do anything. I am a Jew from Tarsus. Um, that's important because Roman citizenship is not just given. Uh, because you live there or you're born there, it's it's an agreement with the state uh, that to be. It's kind of like the difference between going to a church and then becoming a member of the church, um, being um, confirmed and then becoming a full member of the church. 
it's 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 kind of like that where just because you go um, and you live there doesn't necessarily mean you're a full-blown citizen. But Paul was a citizen, and he was a born citizen, which means his family was all citizens. Um, and so he goes, and he uses that as a tool to be able to say, hey, can I go speak in front of them? It's very interesting. One might consider, oh, it's because Paul wants to evangelize. Yes, it is. But at a, cer- at a certain point, like, when you're getting beat up that badly, when you're being accused that badly, why would you want to go back? Why would you want to speak up? Why wouldn't Paul just say, I appeal to the emperor and just go to Rome? Like, why would Paul attempt to speak to them? And I think it has to do with the fact that it was his community as well. It's that he loved them. Um, And so he asked to speak in front of the masses, and he spoke with an intention and a heart of love, even when it might feel that his people have turned on him because of his faith. His heart was probably breaking at that point. He was probably all beat up and bruised. But he stayed consistent with the call. And when he stayed consistent with the call, what did he speak on? When he opened his mouth, what did he talk about? Brothers and fathers, I appeal to you. He explains his origin story. He says, I am a Jew. I grew up here. I learned under Gamaliel. That that man is one of the most prominent teachers of that time. Um, yeah, so Paul explains himself and he painstakingly goes through his whole life story. He speaks with love. One really important thing to note is that the details, the details of his testimony were more, were not centered around his origin. If Paul were to explain, this is who I am, this is where I've come from, this is how I'm trying to be, like, I made Jew of Jews. And if Paul went out of his way to try to explain or understand, maybe Paul might have been able to get off faster because Paul didn't actually do anything wrong. Um, but Paul doesn't do that. He actually explains himself a little bit but he goes into his testimony. At this point, we see that what's more important that he shares isn't his Jewish heritage, but it's God. God is the more important one that Paul shares. Through revealing, choosing, and allowing Paul to see and hear Christ. Um, Paul shares painstakingly, more so than his background, he shares every single detail. And I didn't finish reading everything, but there's more. Paul explains very detailed account of his conversion and tries to explain it to them in a way that is personal. Uh, We don't see that very often. Paul often takes a more gospel-centered approach where he's like, this is Jesus, this is what happened to Jesus, this is why. But then Paul actually explains not the gospel even, not just the gospel even, because the gospel is embedded into his story, but he actually explains his testimony of how he came to know Christ. Paul chooses to be vulnerable. Um, Now, I want you guys to think about that for a second with me. Imagine coming back to share the gospel and share love and be vulnerable with the people that bullied you out. 
Like, when I think about this passage, I think I actually go and think sometimes back to my own home church. Now, I wasn't, I was bullied in moments. Um, I, there are a lot of people, I don't, I don't want to speak ill of my home church, like the church that I grew up in. Um, but I will say that, like, New York City in the early 2000s was a, it was not the best. And, um, even though church is the place where we are supposed to have our primary community, church wasn't often so loving and it often wasn't so good. Um, and I have a lot of like, I know I'm your pastor and a lot of, a lot of the reason for why I pastor in the way that I pastor is because of my own church hurts. Uh, not that I'm seeking to be healed through the experience of being a pastor. I, don't, I think that's very inappropriate. Um, but a lot of the way that I am as a pastor, the way that I look out for people and the way that I meet up with everyone and the way that I love on you guys is informed by my own pains, not necessarily informed by example. Um, and I, I, I know I speak in front of you with confidence and I know that you guys know me as this, like, I will, you know, I'm this like fiery chick that sometimes talks a little hood. And I know that that like sets off this very like brazen, bold, um, exterior, but I'm actually a very, I'm a very, I'm a small little girl that gets very anxious. Um, I have, I have a lot of social anxiety, an extreme amount of social anxiety. Um, so, uh, the idea of, even though like my church has moved past that point, even though my church, like at the time that I had left it was very loving to me, um, just because of my own experiences in that church in the past and the knowledge that all those people are still there, every time I think about going back, um, even just think about going back, it takes me a lot to prepare myself, if that makes sense, to um, see anybody from my home church or uh, to be exposed to anybody from that time in my life. Um, now, they didn't beat me up. I didn't, they didn't threaten my life. And yet it is so hard when a community, when your primary community turns on you, there's something about that that is so painful um, that it marks you. It marks you and it leaves a deep impression in your heart. I don't know if some of you guys have experienced that, um, but one thing to take heart in is that that's what Paul is going through right now. Uh, and yet, even though it is so difficult for Paul to come before these people, he does. He goes before them and he shares. It's hard enough to go before the community that has rejected you and say, how are you doing? But he decides to share his testimony. He decides to share his story. He's not being dumb, but he's being loving. It's really difficult. And I imagine not just that Paul would have been anxious, not just that Paul might have been bitter, but I'm sure he might have been scared. Because they almost beat him up. And another thing to consider is, because Paul mentions it, Paul has a lot of apprehension about preaching to the community that he was a part of because the last time he was revered and respected, he was not a good man. What I mean by that is, the last time he was there and he was at a position of power, he was the person persecuting the Jews. He was killing people off. Um, and he was like a head honcho that was doing that. Um, so he wasn't a good person and he didn't do good things uh, the last time he was a Jew. And so he's like, 
based, there's a lot going on here, you know, this potential, am I going to be judged? Am I, is it going to be really difficult um, for anybody to hear me out and to hear out my story, which it is clearly, they, this is a worst case scenario happening before his very eyes because they don't receive him. Paul goes through so much to just get to Jerusalem. All these prophets prophesying that the Jews are going to hand him over to the Gentiles in chains. And yet Paul still goes because he believes that that's God's call uh, and that God has a plan for Jerusalem. And he loves that community and he goes to preach. Um, and he goes and he shares, even though he's already rejected by the community that once loved him. So given the fact that the last time he was there, he was not a good person, given the fact that he must have been really scared, going back to share the gospel must have been really, really difficult. You might wonder even, like, why does, okay, Paul, like, I get that you love them, but why why does Paul go into so much detail? It's because his heart is open to them, not with an expectation to be accepted, but in love for them. His purpose of sharing, a lot of times when we share, we often might share to be accepted. We often might share for so that people can know us. In every human being, there's a basic desire to be known and loved. And uh, a lot of the times when we share with our friends, when we share with our brothers and sisters, there is that element of wanting to be accepted, wanting to be validated. And that is a very key component of community. But Paul here, he doesn't share with that intention. His intention of sharing is not to be accepted, but it's for them to know Jesus. And so he's okay with selling uh, selling his story to them. He's okay with them knowing all these details. He's okay with being vulnerable with them because he loves them. So this is a very brave moment for Paul to go back into a community that rejected him, into a community that's trying to kill him. And his reaction is to try to talk to them and share God's love to them in the hope that they would change their mind. Who do you think God is with in this moment? God is with everyone, but God is with Paul. If you think about it externally, Paul is getting beat up. He's having a really bad time in Jerusalem. He, the only reason why he had to do that Nazarite vow to begin with is because the Jewish church, the Jews, the Jews that believed in Jesus in Jerusalem didn't trust him. And then on the last day, he gets beat up. He gets ambushed and beat up and then he gets arrested. And he asks to speak in front. Like, it's not a good time. You might see, think even that Paul is the most unlucky, the most unfortunate. It's some, I don't know if y'all know Lemony Snicket's The Series of Unfortunate Events series, but this is some Lemony Snicket stuff. Like this is some, like the worst possible thing happening to him every single, at every single turn. And yet God is with him. God is with him. And God is fully intent on bringing him to Rome and protecting his life. You might think, oh, if God is with him, why is Paul going through all of this? It's because God doesn't function on our notions of success, but God is with him. And God cares about what's most important. That's the kingdom and that's Paul. More than what we understand, more than what we can comprehend, God 
is with him. To Paul's misfortune, to Paul's pain, to Paul's moment of love to the people that rejected him, God offers his presence. And the only reason why Paul is able to do that is because of the love of God. Normally, people don't have that level of love in them. And on his own, Paul doesn't either. But it's the love of God that has reconciled us to himself while we were still enemies. The love of God that has brought us into his embrace while we were so broken, sinful people. The love of God that cared for us and sought us out when we weren't willing to be sought out. It's that love that leads Paul to be able to do something crazy like this. And it's that love that surrounds him, even as he might seem alone. This sermon is a little short, just because I'm having a hard time standing. But I think that the message of this sermon is very important for all of us to take in. I'm not saying that you need to go back to the communities that rejected you. I'm not saying that I'm not telling you to sell your soul and bend over backwards for somebody who doesn't love you. I'm not saying any of those things. But what I am saying is the love of God emboldens us to love the ones who have hurt us. A lot of us might have church hurts or community hurts or hurts from friendships in this in this space right now just looking at a lot of these names, right? Um, and looking looking around, I'm sure all of us have some level of hurt of, uh, towards community. It's the love of God that emboldens us to be able to love other people. And we don't have to be scared. We don't have to be anxious or afraid because God is with us. And it might feel like it disadvantages you to love the ones who have hurt you, but it doesn't because you've already been given immeasurable riches in Christ because Christ has done all that for you and more. That's why we have the courage to be able to love past our boundaries and give a painful witness in moments so that people can come to know Jesus. Our goal is not to be accepted. We are already accepted. Our goal is not to be loved. We are already first loved by God. That needs to be the foundation of every single person that is listening to this message right now. Your foundation needs to be from God. God is the one person that will be consistent no matter what. He has loved you with an everlasting love and he will love you again and again. Even when he is faithless, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. That's just who God is. And so from the example of Paul, we can apply a lot of different things into our own lives. We can take away comfort that we are not the only ones. We can take away comfort from the validity of Paul's experience and the relatability of it in our lives. We can also take away courage that you are not alone. 
that God is with you, that God is for you, even when it doesn't seem that way. And the only person that can judge the value of a life is God. And God has valued you as priceless. God has valued you as worth more than worth hit the life of his son to reconcile me to him. Another other point of application that I want to point out is that Paul's goal, Paul was arguably going through a really unfair trial. This is a very political and legal situation, but Paul's goal was not justice or even fairness. His attention wasn't on government, his attention was on witness. As Christians, we have to understand our goal is God, not fairness. It might suck, but our goal is God. Make sure you keep that in mind. Make sure we all have to make sure we keep that in mind when it comes to fairness and justice. What is our goal? Biblical justice, the goal is God. And the grace is God and mercy is God and all of it is God. Another thing that we can remember is that Paul was consistent in his weakness, even when the people deserted him. He used to be loved by the Jews of Jerusalem. He used to be their leader. And yet, he's still consistent in his witness, and he shows love to them. That's not because Paul is strong. That's because God is stronger. It's because God is stronger than what he experienced. It's because there's no greater thing than God. Who in your life has hurt you? Who in your life do you have a hard time showing yourself to? Because they have hurt you. They have misunderstood you. Has there ever been a moment like this in your life, to a lesser extent, where you were rejected by the community that should have loved you? Whatever you might be going through, or whatever you might have gone through, I came here to tell you today because this is not me. This is God. You know how I, you know how I prepare these sermons. I don't prepare sermons based on my agenda. I preach what the Word of God shows. And I pray that our ministry can receive this for ourselves today. That God is with you. That He is stronger than your pains. And that He is always looking to turn everything for, for good. He wants you to rely on him for acceptance and love. He wants you to have your security and your foundation in him and not in people. And how that manifests in your life is a consistency in your witness because no longer will the love of other people impact your love for them. That's hard. It takes forgiveness. It takes healing. Don't think that I'm saying to cut all of that short. I'm fully aware that this is a painful process. And if you need forgiveness and if you need healing, then take it. God loves you. But we got to remember the point is God. It always has been. It always will be. There are going to be times in our lives where we give a painful witness. But I pray 
that we would all be able to remember this moment and remind ourselves that God is greater than our hurts, our troubles, and our enemies. That we would be bold and that we would step forward in faith knowing that the God of miracles, the God of the universe, the God of everything, the God of grace and love is right next to you, in you, all around you. Can we take some time to pray? Paul's heart was breaking, but he stayed consistent with the call. Paul goes through a very painful moment here, and I don't know if you guys relate, but could we lift our pains to God right now? Could we lift our pains up to the Lord? Where do you stand? Where have you been hurt? Where have you been rejected? Where is your heart at right now? Can we come to God with our hurts? Can we come to God with our community hurts this morning? Knowing that God is the one cares for us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are blessed by this week's message. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com.